Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of the Corta Líneas podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lowy, and I'm here today with Adriano Fernandez, who joins us from Toronto, Canada. I believe the first Luso Canadian we've had on the show. Shout out to Steven Ustakio, Pasha Stifeheide, and of the Canadian national team. Adriano is the owner of FC Porto Central, which is a major Porto fan account. Highly recommend you all to check it out. And I'm super excited to have him on because I believe this is the first time that we've actually had a Portista on the show. So super excited to discuss all things Porto uh, as well as the groundbreaking event of the past 48 hours. We saw Ivo Vieira's Famalicao lose the Portimonense and 24 hours later, Farench, led by a fantastic performance from Ryan Gauld, beating Pasha Zipeda. So two major upsets. Uh, I don't think anything else groundbreaking happened in the world of European football. So anyways, we'll take it from there. Adriano, how are you doing today? Not bad. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Very much so. How are you taking this news over the past uh, 48 hours of what we are witnessing at the moment in European football? Uh, honestly, I'm pretty excited to see that uh, it looks like it's going to come all crashing down. I wasn't. I was never a big fan of the idea. Football should be for everybody, not just a select few amount of clubs and fans. And yeah, it's it's good to see it all come cram- crumbling down. It's good to see the fans win. It is great to see the fans win. Uh, absolutely historic. 48 hours we are witnessing. I really can't even keep track of it at this point. Porto were one of the teams that were mentioned to join the Super League. In fact, I believe taking out Bayern Munich, uh, they would be the most recent Champions League winners who not participate in the Super League, given the fact they won it uh, in 2005 under Jose Mourinho. So definitely a, one of those big, important teams that rejected this proposal and you know, has done its part to make sure that this Super League plan after, what, 48 hours is already dead in the water, pretty much. Talk to me about your reaction, your process as a Porto fan throughout this whole charade. And uh, were you worried at any capacity or any level uh, that Porto would end up joining the Super League? Well, I was, I was worried. There was a lot of reports coming out that were saying that uh, it's a possibility that Porto could join. I, I really was hoping we wouldn't join. And after Pinto Costa, our president, eventually came out and said they, that we were invited, but he said no, he declined the offer, and uh, I was pretty happy to hear that. I believe we were the only Portuguese team that was invited, so it's, it's also a representation of, of Portugal to a certain extent. And yeah, I'm pretty glad we didn't join. It is, without a doubt, uh, in my opinion, a victory for football, seeing the Super League proposal fail. Still a lot of more work to be done with regards to UEFA, but overall, I, I think that the worst case scenario of all this is UEFA breaking down the tournament and basically giving concessions to the Richard 12 clubs and basically seeing the Super League format implemented via these uh, pernicious reforms. So we still have a lot of work to be done, but I think it is a victory. Moving on, we will take a look at another victory. Porto took on the bottom-ranked team of the Primera Liga at the moment, Nacional, and narrowly won uh, at the Estadio de Madeira via a goal from Meditaremi. What was your take on that game? Clearly a big moment for Taremi going into that match as a starter over Musa Morega. I know there was a lot of controversy in the Porto fan base, the fact that uh, Morega started over Taremi in the second leg. And of course, 
the Iranian striker capped off his super sub performance with an incredible goal in the dying moments of the second leg. What were your thoughts on that result, on that performance against Nacional? And uh, how strong of a message do you think Taremi sent to Porto manager Sergio Conceição? Yeah, I think uh, I think he definitely sent a message. I think uh, he's been by far our best striker so far this season. Uh, Marega, he's been he's been struggling this season. He's been one of our worst starters, in my opinion, at least. Um, and uh, Marega, as a as an only striker, I'm not a big fan of. I feel like he always needs a second striker beside him. He can't really produce as much up there by himself. He's 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 really fallen off, in my opinion. But he, he suits Concession's system. I understand why Concession plays him to a certain extent. But uh, I, I definitely think that Emi is the... If we're going to play a 4-3-3 like we did last weekend, is, is best suited for that formation. But our performance against Nacional was, wasn't very convincing, to be honest. Uh, we, we struggled for most of the match to create anything. And to, we, we got kind of lucky on our goal, I'm not going to lie. But it is what it is. A win's a win at the end of the day. It looks like it's going to be a tough couple of weeks in the, in the title race. Sporting also struggled against the Indians. So it's, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Taking a look at Musa Marega, a player who just turned 30 years old last week and who has, who I believe is the only non-loanee at Porto, whose contract is set to expire uh, this summer. 23 goals and 8 assists in 2017-18. 2018-19, 21 goals and 11 assists. Okay, so double figures. 2019-20, Marega hit 15 goals and 9 assists in 45 appearances and this season the Malian striker currently has 11 goals five assists in 41 appearances so clearly a pretty steep decline maybe not too steep to ward off a renewal it is clear that he is still a very important player in Conceição's system and you got to think that Conceição with Pinto da Costa trusting him as the long-term manager of Porto, you got to think that he's going to be holding some leverage uh, in getting a renewal for his striker. What is your opinion on the Marega deal? Do you think that Porto should do everything they can to extend him and to uh, see basically the rest of his prime through at the Estadio do Regal? Honestly, in my opinion, I don't think we should we should re-sign him. I think Marega is going to start asking for, for a lot more than he's he's currently making. And I don't think he's a star player such as Corona or even Atavi, which we, we recently resigned. I think we could find a replacement for him uh, or change the team up to uh, to adapt to losing Marega in our system. I think we have a couple of good strikers as it is. I think Teremi's shown that he could clearly be a starter this season. Tony Martinez and Ivan Nielsen have uh, have also been good in the minutes they've gotten. They've both played about 300 minutes and they've each got uh, three goals. So uh, I think we could do without Marega. could see why Conceição wants to re-sign him, but I don't think we should simply because he's slowly declining. I think most of the teams in the league are starting to, to adapt to the way he plays and learning how to defend him. And uh, I think Marega's time should be done at the Dragon, in my opinion. Marega, I think, more than any other player in this squad, divides opinion so sharply amongst the Porto fan base. can clearly tell he's an important player for Conceição. But given fans, I think, a lot of grief with his lack of technical ability, lack of control, as well as his kind of clumsy finishing, I would say, 
very important player in terms of, uh, I guess they call it exploring the depth, right? Trying to exploit gaps in opposition defenses. But overall, you can tell that he is declining. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Porto, apart from Morega, they have Evan Nielsen, right? Who, like Taremi, uh, arrived in the summer. Taremi joining from uh, Hugh Av and is currently the club's top scorer. Been a very impressive debut season in Portugal and second season in Porto. Uh, so I believe he's clearly shown his capacity to lead the line, whether playing in a two-man uh, attacking role or as a sole center forward. Let's talk, take a look at Taremi as well as the other options, uh, all of whom came last summer. Tony Martinez from Famalicão, uh, Evan Nielsen from Fluminense, and finally Danny Loder, a player who hasn't really played much in the first team but uh, arrived from Reading on a free transfer as a very highly rated talent. What do you make of the depth uh, in attack apart from Morega? Do you think that Porto would sign another striker if Morega were to leave on a free transfer this summer? Uh, yeah, I, I believe so. I think at least one more striker because Conceição usually likes playing in a two-striker formation. So with two of those strikers already being in the 11, we'd have to turn to if Ivan Nielsen or Tony Martinez or whoever's not starting beside Taremi would to get injured, we'd have to look for the B team. Loder, is, he's been good this season for the B team, but after, I don't know, it start, it start problems among the ranks. I think Tony Martinez deserves a, a couple more chances. He's shown great in his last couple of games. He's only gone 295 minutes this year, and he's already gone three goals. Same with Ivan Nielsen. Like I said, he only has 389 minutes this season. He also has three goals. Uh, I, think, I think both of those strikers could fill Marega's role, in my opinion. Like I said, Marega hasn't been, hasn't been great this season. In his last 16 games for Porto, he's only scored twice. So I think Porto are, are pretty good in the striker position. Maybe just one signing, but I think we should be okay. So I think a large part of Conceição's success has been predicated on that uh, high-pressing 4-4-2, which we saw against Juventus. But in recent weeks, we've actually been seeing uh, kind of a new look 4-3-3 that Conceição has experimented with, but in general has uh, been more preferential, I think, of the 4-4-2. But on Tuesday, Porto traveled uh, to the Ramon Sanchez-Pizuan and took on Chelsea in the second leg of the quarterfinals. Uh, Conceição going with that 4-3-3. Marega up top with Jesus Corona and Otavio, and Mateus Uribe, Marco Grujic, and uh, Sergio Oliveira in that midfield trio, okay? Taremi controversially going to the bench. And on Sunday, we saw a similar pattern, right? Same midfield trio, uh, only with Taremi partnering Luis Diaz and Corona in attack. Porto getting the win on both occasions. What is your take on this 4-3-3? Do you think it's the way forward for Porto under Conceição, especially with the possibility of Marega leaving in the summer? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the 4-3-3. Uh, I've always been a big fan of it. I feel like that's Porto's traditional formation before uh, Conceição came in. Uh, I think we have the players that suit that formation. We have Luis Diaz on the left, quality winger, as well as Corona on the right. Taremi's a clinical finisher. He's a good number nine. And after we have a, a good midfield trio with uh, Otavio, Sergio Oliveira, Ribe, or even... Rich. I think if we were to play a 4-3-3 next season, we'd have to sign another winger, potentially. We have Pep coming in from uh, Remu, 
he uh, he looks really good as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the 4-3-3 system. I think it, it really suits Porto, and I hope to see it more often. Absolutely. Uh, overall, how encouraged are you of Porto's recent results? I think that things kind of hit rock bottom, if you will, when Porto were eliminated to 10-man Braga in the Tasa semifinals. But since that elimination, it's been a very promising few weeks for Porto. Uh, under Conceição, really a rebound in form. Uh, for one, Porto are only six points behind Sporting, who looked like the odds-on favorites of just a few weeks ago. Now things are getting a bit interesting. And in addition to uh, Porto bouncing back from last season's uh, embarrassing elimination in the third qualifying round to Krasnodar, and getting to the quarterfinals, knocking out Juventus before falling to Chelsea. You must feel somewhat encouraged about the recent results. How much faith and optimism has that put, has that recent form from Porto put in you about uh, Conceição and this current team? I have, a lo- I have a lot of faith now. I think it's very possible still to win the league. I'm not saying it's, it's not going to be hard, but Porto's playing well. I think we're on a, on a very good run. And it looks like Sporting's slowly dying off a little bit. They're struggling week in and week out and winning by one. Very, very small margins. Both teams still have to play Benfica. And uh, obviously, that's a tough game because it's, it's against a rival. It's always going to be tough. I think Port's doing well. I think they're on some uh, some good form right now. And I, I believe in them. I believe that we could, we could possibly come back and win the league. Uh, in terms of Champions League, I'm really proud of, of my team. We, we played great. I think everybody counted us out against Juventus even more so when Terami got the red card in the second leg. But, but they fought until the end, got that winner. I, I think we really proved everybody wrong and, uh, and showed a strong message. And even against Chelsea, I feel like we played better over the two legs. Watching both teams, I wouldn't be able to tell which team spent over 100 million euros at the beginning of the season. And yeah, we, we went out with a bang with, with Terami's uh, bicycle kick goal as well. What a way to go out. and. Uh, I'm really proud of uh, Porto for their their Champions League season this year. Not only have Porto been very promising on the pitch, they've also picked up some impressive results off the pitch. Uh, For one, getting Otavio, one of the most important players in Conceição's team, to renew his contract. Contract was said to expire uh, this summer. Uh, and they tied him down on a decent length size contract. So getting him off the market and avoiding uh, a Yasin Brahimi or a Hector Herrera case, extremely important move. In addition, they secured 73.5 million euros uh, from their run to the UEFA Champions League quarterfinals. So adding that Champions League prize money up, with the money received, they received from Danilo Pereira to PSG, from Alex Tellez to Manchester United, they've had a lot of money to play with this summer. Uh, plenty of money to reinforce their squad. So I want to move on and talk now about Porto in the transfer market. So who do you expect Porto's main targets this summer to be? In my opinion, Porto really are really lacking a left back. I think Zaidu had a decent start to the season, but he's he's really fallen off. Yeah, and you, you could tell he's been uh he's been the weakest link in Port's back line and opposing teams usually take advantage of that. 
start attacking more down his wing. I feel like uh, attacking wise, he's okay. He just he just pushes up too much. He switches off defensively a bit too much, and that's a threat for our back line. And he he also doesn't have the the crossing that Alex Tellers used to have, and he hasn't really filled in that role ever since Tellers left. Uh, I would love for Porto to go after uh, Ruben Vinagre from Famalicão. It looks like every team's uh, interested in him, but. Uh, I think he'd, he'd support very well. I think he'd suit uh, our way of play and he'd go right into that role that, that Alex Tellers left open. But I think that's our main our main concern, in my opinion. I think that's something Port really needs to, to get this summer. And uh, after, as well as maybe a midfielder, which looks like it's going to be Ishtaki from Plas Fereira. He's been highly reported of coming to Port in the summer. We also have uh, Pep from Gremio, as I said. He looks like a great winger. And after, besides that, I'd say we're pretty good. Port's not one of making too many transfers in a transfer market, no matter how much money we make. But if I had to pick and choose, I'd, I'd definitely choose a left back, a center back. And it looks like we already have uh, a winger. So we also have some great, great youngsters. I think uh, Fabio Vieira should get some more chances next year, along with late. And uh, I, I doubt Vitinho would come back to Porto. He's too good to uh, for Wolves not to pay a 20 mil option. But if he does, I'd love to see him at uh, Porto next year as well. Yeah, left back is an interesting one for Porto. Check out, by the way, our article on Zaidu Sanusi's breakthrough uh, that we recently published on Breaking the Lines. Zaidu is an interesting one because uh, for the money that they paid for him from Santa Clara, I think he's done well. I think that considering the fact that he was playing in the third division uh, with Mirandela just two years ago, I think there's reason to believe that he will improve with more experience, with more patience, just given how raw he is at the top level. I think he does have definitely athletic tools and is better going forward. And he's shown that he can be a balanced fullback, especially against uh, Juventus. But there's that question. Do Porto bring in competition for him? And Ruben Villagre is a player who we've been talking a lot about on this Portolinish podcast because he has done incredibly well under Ivo Vieira at Famalicó. Porto, you know, a club that replaced Alexandro with Alex Tejas, they have incredibly high expectations for left back. So I think there's a lot of sense in bringing in Villagre potentially as some sort of trade between Wolves and Vitinha. Uh, I'm not sure if Vitinha is going to have that purchase option redeemed of, I believe it's 20 million, 18 million, after really not having that much game time under Nuno Espirito Santo at Wolves, you know, competing with Morgan Gibbs-White. I think that there's a chance that they decide, though. Uh, there's an economic opportunity here, and we're going to trade Juvin Vinagre for Vitinha on the other end. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think that they both have similar market values at this point. I think there's a possibility for that. Keep an eye open. Moving on to midfield, though. Uh, Ustakio, Steven Ustakio, Canada international, Portuguese-Canadian, just like our friend Adriano. Uh, he's had a fantastic season at Fachos de Tejeda. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe he was linked to Porto three, four years ago before he decided to uh, join Cruz Azul. So you can definitely see the potential in a transfer there. Uh, what do you make of Ustakio, both for the national team as well as the club? How important and uh, how effective do you think he would be in this Porto midfield? 
well, for Team Canada, I think he's without a doubt their best midfielder right now. And for Porto, I think it really brings a lot more depth into our into our midfield, especially if Gurich leaves. I think Ishtaku definitely has the quality to play for a top three team. Uh, he's a great player. He's he knows how to position himself well. He he passes the ball nicely. He knows how to control the game. I'm a big fan of him. And yeah, a lot of reports are are claiming that he's pretty much done. Uh, transfer fee around five million. Nothing confirmed yet, but I'd love to see him at uh, at Port next season. Another midfielder I would love to see at Port would be uh, Almustrati from Braga. I'm a big fan of him as well, but I doubt Braga would let him go for, for anything cheap. Almustrati, another player we've had featured on Breaking the Lines uh, by the great Jaime Silva, Scortellini, I guess. Make sure to check out both the article on Ustakio as well as Almustrati to get an idea of two fantastic midfielders outside of Portugal's big three. You know, it's going to be very interesting, to say the least, who Porto decides to get to fill in that vacancy left in midfield by Danilo Pereira. Because Sergio Oliveira and Mateo Suribe has been, for the most part, the go-to midfield pivot. But with Conceição tilting to a 4-3-3, I certainly think there's a potential for Porto to spend a lot of their UEFA prize money on a, a promising midfielder. And I, I think that $5 million, I'm not sure if that's accurate, but I think that, if true, that would be an amazing bargain for Ustakio. One player who perhaps could be in this conversation for uh, Danilo Pereira replacement, Marco Grugin, starting the past four games for Porto, spent last season on loan at Hertha Berlin, but uh, returned to Liverpool and then was loaned out to Porto after uh, the arrival of Thiago Alcantara in the uh, end of the summer transfer. He joining Porto on loan and has started the past four games uh, for Conceição's side. Do you think there's any chance of Porto spotting a deal here, noticing how Liverpool perhaps going to need to offload a few squad players to, to manage uh, in the COVID pandemic? Do you think there's potential... For Porto to get a low-cost deal in for Grujic, do you think they should try to make Grujic's loan deal permanent? Uh, yeah, I, I think they should definitely try. I think he he struggled a bit when he first came to Porto, but he's definitely found his way. Uh, I definitely do think he is. He's playing a lot better now, and he's playing well. He's he defends that back four very similar to the way Daniel Pereira. I'm a big fan of Grujic as well, but I can't really see Liverpool letting him go for anything under 10 mil. I don't think Port would be able to pay that, or not able, but I don't think they would be willing to pay that uh, that money. Uh, but I do definitely think they should try and uh, and see if they could keep him on the permanent. So Porto reinforcing their attack uh, with the arrival of Pepe from Gremio, in addition to a few other players such as Luis Diaz, a Colombian winger. One player, though, who has been absolutely magnificent for Porto over the past few seasons has been Jesus Tegatito Corona. And his contract expires in 2022. Porto, no doubt, going to try to tie him down to a long-term deal, as they successfully did with Otavio. What do you think Porto's status is? Do you think that they will end up getting Corona to renew on a long-term deal? Or do you feel like he will decide to join one of the ex-Super League or current Super League teams, shall we say? Recently, he's been linked to uh, 
to Chelsea, but uh, I, I do think Porto's going to definitely to renew his contract. His contract ends next season. So I believe if they if they're struggling to re-sign him, I could see him leaving this summer, which would really suck. Uh, he's one of my favorite players at, at Porto. He's one of the most consistent players at Porto, and uh, he definitely plays a, a huge role in our team. He, he's one of those players that plays anywhere the coach needs him to play, right back, right wing, where, wherever he's needed. And uh, yeah, like I said, he's one of my favorite players, definitely one of the best players on Porto. But uh, if they struggle to find an agreement between Porto and Corona, uh, I could see him possibly leaving this summer whatever happens uh with corona i definitely think that porto should dip into uh, the mexican market soon you know it's got a lot of cheap talent as we've seen with Herrera and corona with the potential to adapt really quickly to the portuguese league so i'd really like to see them go back into liga mekis uh in the coming months apart from corona though we have some really interesting uh positions that should be considered within Porto's squad. One of them is right back. So right back, you know, we've seen Corona occupy that position for large periods under Conceição, although I think it's clear that his best football comes in a more attacking position where he has less defensive responsibility and more creativity. Currently this season, that right back position has been occupied by Wilson Manafa, but there are plenty of other players in the squad, just such as Cajasa, uh, Nanu, and Tomas Estevez, currently on loan to championship side Reading. Overall, what are your thoughts on Manafa? Do you think that he's good enough to be the long-term right-back under Conceição? And what do you think of the other options? Do you feel they're competent enough uh, or good enough to, to challenge Manafa for the starting spot? Uh, yeah, uh, Manafa, when he first came to Port, I wasn't a big fan of him, to be honest, but I feel like he's, he's really developed and he's gotten better over the, the few seasons he's been at Porto. I don't think he's a, he's a star or anything like he, like Ricardo Pereira or even Danilo, but I, I feel like he gets the job done. Yeah, Port could look for a right back, but uh, I think we should mainly focus on a left back because we're really uh, lacking in that position. Uh, we also have Nanu, who hasn't looked bad when he's played this season. And we have, uh, like you said, Thomas Ishtevs, who's currently unknown at Reading. I'm a big fan of Thomas Ishtevs as well. I think he should get a couple of chances next year. But yeah, I feel like Manafa could get the job done. But if we could get a good right back for cheap, I wouldn't be against it. I want to throw some names down of players who are performing outside of the big four in Portugal because we've seen from the success of Meritaremi that there's so much talent in the bottom rungs of Portuguese football. I, I say that, and of course, Joab finished in the final Europe League spot, but in general, outside of Portugal's big four. One of the names, Beto on Portimonete. Beto, player we've talked about a lot, netting the only goal uh, to give Ivo Vieira's Famalicão their first defeat. A really interesting center forward who I think is attracting a lot of attention. And if Marega does leave, I think he would be a very intriguing replacement going forward in, in attack. Another player, Marcus Edwards, player who has dropped off somewhat in form at Vitoria de Guimarães, but a very promising young winger who I think could add a lot in terms of close control and ability to break down defenses, especially if Corona 
does leave this summer. And apart from Edwards and Beto, two players I wanted to mention, Ryan Gauld on French, player we've featured on the site, really promising Scottish playmaker who's finally had a breakthrough season uh, at the top level at French and uh, doing everything he can to keep them in the top flight. Just had a massive performance to beat fifth place Basho Shifahida at home today, and he is available on a free transfer this summer. And finally, Angel Gomez, a player who is currently on loan at Boavista from Lille uh, and who has had a fantastic season uh, at Boavista and been really crucial uh, in their fight to stay up. So Gomez, Gault, Edwards, and finally Beto. Of those four players, who would you like to see join Porto this summer? Uh, all four, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, if I had to pick one, it'd definitely be Beto. From what I've seen so far this year, he looks uh, he looks really good. He's uh, he's a strong striker. That's uh, he's, he's really good at holding the ball, and uh, he's very very good in the air. I feel like he would be he would be very good beside uh, Taremi. But yeah, Ryan Gold on a free this summer would, would definitely be a, a steal. Uh, I feel like a lot of clubs are going to be watching that. I'm also a big fan of uh, Asun Song from Fumalikong. I wouldn't mind him at Porto uh, either. But uh, but yeah, if I had to pick one, it would definitely be Beto, especially if Marega leaves. Beto, a really intriguing striker who everybody should keep an eye on in the coming weeks as uh, the season ends. Porto are a club who perhaps haven't received as much credit uh, for their academy as Sporting or Benfica, for example. They haven't really had a Cristiano Ronaldo or a uh, Bernardo Silva, shall we say, in the past few decade. But they have had plenty of promising players shoot up the academy. 2019, uh, Porto winning the UEFA Youth League. And uh, in this really promising Portugal U21 team that topped their U21 Euros group and kept a perfect record, we have several players who were made in Porto's academy. We have the all-Porto center-back pairing of Diogo Leite and Diogo Queiroz, the goalkeeper of Diogo Costa, at left-back playing somewhat out of position, Diogo Dalot, Vitinha, of course, playing uh, in a more advanced role in midfield, really fantastic performance and I think for the most part was really leading Portugal's midfield in the U21 Euros. Really just some fantastic players who I think showcase that despite a lack of playing time, they are still top young talents. Uh, And of course, I think that probably alongside Vitinha, the best player from that Porto bunch was Fabio Vieira, a player who has struggled for playing time under Conceição, mainly relegated to the B team. But really, really incisive and fantastic in that team. What is your take on these aforementioned talents? And do you feel like Conceição has been unfair with integrating these players into the first team, especially compared to, off the top of my head, his son, Francisco Chico Conceição? Yeah, I feel like uh, Concepcion doesn't really give the, the youth uh, a real chance. I feel like most of the time he plays the youth is in the last 10-15 minutes of the game when the game is already decided. I feel like he's stubborn when it comes to playing the, the young players. Another thing I don't, I'm not a fan of Concepcion about is uh, he, he leaves subs very late. No matter if we're winning, losing, no matter the situation of the game, he, he usually makes subs uh, very late on the game, 75th minute, 80th minute. 
he'll make his first sub, which I'm not a fan of. Uh, and that's usually when the when the youth players do come on. Uh, I think Fabio Vieira, for example, definitely deserves a shot. He he also played in the Champions League. He got his first Champions League goal very, very early on in the season, of course. I think he deserves more chances, especially Octavio's not playing or or a player in his role. But yeah, I think Jose Song should definitely give the, the youth more chances. From that 2019 group, uh, not many are still at the club. Dio Costa, the backup uh, goalie. Late Vieira, Varu, and Thomas Estevez on loan. But uh, I think Late, for example, has played uh, the most minutes out of all those youth players. And when he's played this season, he's played great. And it goes to show that putting some faith in the youth sometimes pays off. For example, in, in Sporting's case, playing all those young players, Nuno Menj, even Inacio, who's recently took Natu spot at, uh, at center back. I think Sergio Concesson should definitely uh, start betting on the youth a bit more. I think that it's no coincidence that uh, probably the best performing Porto player of this season is Sergio Oliveira, a player who came through Porto's academy, uh, spent time out on loan at Michelin, Penafiel, Beramar, Pachos, Nantau. Oh, uh, I'm forgetting some, but who has really been bounced around on loan. So he didn't really get opportunities in the first team setup. And it's finally, at the age of 28, just performing at an incredible level for this Porto team. And who I think will get a call up to this summer's Euros. We'll see what happens. But I think there might be some inner message there for Conceição. I want to touch up a bit on a player who I think has probably been the breakthrough young star under Conceição this season. And to whatever the criticism for favoritism uh, may be has clearly made an impact uh, at the first team level and is Francisco Chico Conceição, the son of Sergio Conceição, the manager uh, of Porto. 18 years old and uh, has made quite the stir and, and I think proven both for Portugal's U21 side as well as for Porto that he can be a crucial player over the next few years. Talk to me about Conceição, just how good uh, do you think he can be for Porto and the national team? Yeah, I think Conce's song definitely has probably the most potential out of all our youth products right now. He was, he was having a great season on the B teams, which uh, earned himself a call to the, to the main squad. Uh, his first two games, he was the best player on the field since coming on when he got subbed on. And uh, I definitely think that he's he's earned himself some more minutes. Uh, like I said, Conce's song... His dad usually uh, leaves subs late, doesn't give uh, the youth many minutes. But I do think even against smaller sides in the league or, or whatever the case may be, I do think young players could uh, play more. I think Conceição uh, doesn't give them a fair, a fair shout, a fair uh, chance of proving themselves. And I do think that these all these young players could definitely make an impact, whether it's Francisco Conceição, Diogo Leite, Fabio Vieira. I think those are all, all great players that could definitely earn themselves a place in the starting 11. Porto currently six points behind uh, league leaders Sporting with just seven league matches to be played. Who do you think is going to be the most important, the biggest make-or-break player for Porto as they try to maintain their distance and close the gap uh, on Sporting in the home stretch of the season? Uh, in my opinion, it's, it'll be the strikers. I think uh, Taremi and Marega, we're, we've been struggling to score goals, and uh, I think that's what, what we really need. I think 
defensively we're okay in uh and uh, even in our midfield we've been pretty pretty good Uribe has been great this season Patavio as well Sergio Oliveira in my opinion has been our best player this season I think it really comes down to to the goals we need our attackers to to come up big I think they'll they'll really be the difference makers absolutely so some fantastic points and really interesting arguments that we've gone over in this episode. I want to move now to the talent of the week section where we go over a player either in the Portuguese league or in the Portuguese national team setup who is making waves outside or inside of Portugal. Who is your talent of the week, Adriano? Uh, in my opinion, he didn't do much besides his goal, but I'd say it was uh, it was bad too. I think uh, he did okay. He didn't do bad, and uh, he he got the goal that uh, that won them the game. He gave Pomalikong their first uh, defeat under Ibu, and uh, I think he's a great striker, and he could uh, he could definitely be be really good uh, one day. Yeah, Beto probably in the recent weeks has been the number one, you know, breakthrough in Liga Noche. I would say that probably number two next to Beto has been Mario Gonzalez, uh, who just scored a hat trick, a 3-2 victory against Monterrey. Mario Gonzalez, one of the many Spanish players currently playing at Tondela after Pepe Lu last season, really making an impact in Portugal on loan from Villarreal. We've talked about him on the show, I believe with Jaime Silva in a recent episode, and he's really taking Portugal by storm in his uh, debut season in Liga Noche. I think that there is a chance that Villarreal decide to cash in on him. They may elect to bring him back, especially if Gerard Moreno leaves after the season he's having. What do you make of Mario Gonzalez? Do you think he has what it takes to make the step up to a bigger team uh, than Pondela? Uh, yeah, I, I think he's a good talent. I think uh, I don't know if he's he's good enough just yet for a top three team, but I definitely think he'd, he'd fit right in at Abraga or Guimarães. You can tell the qualities there. He's been uh, Tondela's best player this season. And yeah, I think he's a good player and I think he can make a step up in his career very soon. 12 goals and two assists in 21 appearances uh, for the Spaniard. Going to be really interesting uh, to see what happens. And I believe his contract at Villarreal expires in 2022. So one to keep an eye on, especially for any you know, mid-table, upper-half Liga Noche side to reinforce their attack this season. Potentially Braga? Well, I don't know. Anyways, thank you so much to my guest Adriano Fernandez for coming on today. It was a real pleasure to have you on. Check him out on FC Porto Central. And is there anything else, Adriano, that you'd like to shout out or, or mention? Uh, no, that's that's about it. Thanks thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hopefully, Porteda could come back and win the league this year. We'll see. <laughs> thank you so much for everybody who tuned in. Uh, make sure to uh, subscribe to us and leave us a review and mention you know, whatever you'd like to see discussed on the Quartalinish podcast. Uh, thank you so much once again, Adriano. I hope to have you on again soon uh, to discuss all things Porto. Uh, until next time, um abraço.